0: Listening to the Mito podcast. I'm Ashley. I'm Megan. And this is our second half of a podcast. We were talking to Stephanie Miller um, in a prior podcast about her daughter Raylin and her story. Well, what started with her MITO journey. Now, this podcast, we're really excited to talk to you about three-person IVF. I've done a little bit of research. Megan's done a little bit of research. Um, so we would love to hear where you, what, you know, basically where you started. Um, and then maybe afterwards, Megan and I can talk a little bit about the stuff that we've also kind of discovered or, or have read about. So how, so I know in our last podcast, you mentioned a geneticist who as a friend, um, told you, Hey, there's this crazy thing that's going on and it's called three person IVF. Which actually okay, hold on. Before I let you talk, <laughs> I realized I do need to give a little bit of an explanation beforehand. So, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what three person IVF is, when you get pregnant, there's you have the your you have the the mitochondria DNA, you have your nuclear DNA, nuclear nucleus DNA. It
1: <laughs> is nuclear. You're right.
0: It sounds so weird though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get nuclear. Um, uh, and you have your sperm. And so when you get pregnant, sperm obviously goes into the cell, it swims in, it becomes the winner. Then you decide, you find out if you're having a boy or a girl. Well, with three-person IVF, the same thing with regular IVF, but three-person IVF is you remove the nucleus from one cell and you put and you remove sorry you remove two nucleuses (laughs) so you have two cells you remove two um and you have the let's say it's stephanie's egg right Um, we're going to use her mitochondria but we're going to use another woman's nucleus to put inside it and then you fertilize that and that's where the three-person IVF comes from so
2: it's basically two women and a man Yes, but it's but you said it backwards. Yeah, I was say, I was say. so so they can't use my mitochondria because my okay. mitochondria is no good. So they'll yes. take they'll take a donor egg and take the nucleus DNA out of there and put my prime DNA in that nucleus with way better mitochondria than I've got, and exactly. then we get powered cells. <laughs> exactly, I totally said it backwards
0: in my head. <laughs> different words were like coming
2: out. <laughs> you no, know, it's a complicated procedure that doesn't even feel
1: real. Yeah. I looked at so many different diagrams today because apparently there's so many different ways of doing it. And um, I have a degree in biology, but whatever. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? How can they wait? What? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's definitely amazing. And it's, amazing and it's controversial and that yeah there's yeah i'm just amazed by it so, it's so when
0: i first started looking into it it was actually may of 2019 um which is about a month before you found out about your genetic testing because you found out in june mm-hmm. um my, just lost my daughter in april And I I wasn't really looking to get pregnant. I was just, I saw an article and I wanted to learn more about it. And I'd heard about it months prior, but it wasn't something that I was thinking about diving into at the time. And so when I first read about it, it was interesting because it was one week before there was a huge conference deciding on if this was going to be something legal within the United States. So for everyone that is listening, it unfortunately is not legal. It is illegal. And the reason behind, and there's, there's a ton of different stuff that we could go over there. This is like a wormhole of information. Like there's just so much that essentially at the moment, the fear is of having or being able to create It's the same idea as being able to choose what color eyes your kid is going to have. So you're making designer babies. And that's essentially why this has such a bad taste on a lot of people's mouths, which if you take that away and you look at mitochondria, there's a very great valid reason of why we should do it. Um, But the conference that had gone on, the one that I actually watched it, I watched every single part about it. The unfortunate thing, and it was super fascinating. I wish I remembered the name of it so I could tell you guys, but obviously I didn't re-look into it before we did this podcast, (laughs) Um, but they didn't have any families. It was just doctors and it was um, like researchers. There was no families. And so you didn't get that experience of understanding from a family's perspective of why this was important. Even though the doctors had valid um like everything that they said was amazing and for it and had nothing to do with being a designer baby. It was about eradicating horrible diseases like mito and Lee syndrome and all of that. Um, There wasn't that experience for the people that are making that decision to see that they were just seeing the science and I think that it would have changed had they had had that and I know within like the next couple of years when they do this again they will bring those families in and I think that the decision will be different um but with all that being said (laughs) why don't you tell us how like you you did research for like six months on it so what did you learn
2: Oh, that it is a giant wormhole. And there is a lot wrong with the way that our country um, processes bills when it comes to reproductive um, laws. And um, even, so let me backtrack a little bit as part of that bill that was passed. I believe it was in 2019. I Please don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. (laughs) But um, as part of the most recent bill that was passed regarding this um, science that involves three-parent IVF, um, a caveat was added. It's one sentence at the very last midnight, literally at midnight before this bill was submitted that says the FDA is not even allowed to acknowledge uh, trials or studies that have been done on three-parent IVF. So not only are they not allowed to say, yes, we can, or no, we can't process these. They can't even acknowledge that such trials, research studies have been submitted for review, um, which is such a tragedy because the first step into getting this to be legal or available or in any capacity is to acknowledge that it exists and it works and studies have been, Conducted over the last 20 years on this specific um technique of removing the nucleus and inserting it to into another egg. And that is the, the biggest tragedy to me that has ever come about that that you can't even speak about it. Um, but as far as the things that I've learned. I've read articles which put me into studies about parents or people that have had Lee's syndrome and have been diagnosed later in life and how um, children could be affected. And if they using this technique um, will show back up, even if the mitochondria, because there's no guarantee that all of the mitochondria say from me um, will be completely left behind. Some of it will make it into the new cell. And will the bad mitochondria take over? Will it come back in later generations? Um, Or is this kind of like a one and done and we've eradicated it from this bloodline? Um, And they don't really know um, a lot of those things. So the first thing that I did was email every uh, single organization on every email Address that I could find publicly available to see if they are taking patients. So right now there are um, three places in the entire world, and that would be uh, I don't know the name of it, but there is um, a clinic in the Ukraine that does this technique. Newcastle Fertility Clinic in um, England does this technique, and the Institute of Life Clinic in Athens, Greece, does this technique. So I first, um, you know, I sent them all emails and never heard back for months. I sent them all emails again and was redirected to, you know, oh no, this, you know, you're a foreigner, we don't wanna to talk to you, or there's a, there was always, we're not really gonna address this um, responses. Finally, I was able to connect with somebody in the ukraine that was like yeah we'll totally take you IVF costs forty thousand dollars and if you want this special technique it's another forty thousand dollars and i don't have that kind of money <laughs> so i said thank you but no thanks i will have to pass because as much as this is something that i need in my life eighty thousand dollars is a lot to spend on something that's not a guarantee and, um, when I talked to Newcastle fertility, finally got somebody that knew what I was talking about. and they were, they let me know that as much as they would love to have me, um, they are under contract with their government that they are not allowed to accept foreigners. <laughs> so for a brief minute, I asked my husband if we were going to move to England and become citizens <laughs> because <laughs> I wanted it so bad. Um, and then, um, I found, the Institute of Life in Athens, Greece. And I emailed them and because their website said they were in clinical trials. I was like, I'll be part of a trial. I will, die. I will do anything. So they let me know that their clinical trials were only for women who were over the age of 40, had four or more failed IVF attempts and husband had, or partner had to have a sperm count over a certain number. And I emailed them back and said, I can't do regular IVF. That doesn't help my mitochondria issue at all. And it will be failed. So let's just <laughs> skip all of that. And when I used the words mitochondrial disease, everything changed. I got emails back faster than I ever, th- ever could have thought possible um, from a 10-hour time difference. And they... Um, That was Wednesday, right after Thanksgiving. And they were like, let's have a Skype interview, meet, talk about where this came from, what we can do, and if you would be qualified. So two days later, I got up at four in the morning to have um, a Zoom call that for them was in the afternoon. And uh, they said, we think you would be a perfect candidate for this come out in 2 weeks. <laughs> and I said I don't know if I can make it halfway across the world in 2 weeks. I just um don't have that kind of money. So I asked them if we could wait till after Christmas. And uh, this was in uh winter of 2019 and they said, "Yeah, but we want you here as soon as possible. So get off your birth control, change your diet, um do all of these crazy things, start taking prenatals and vitamins and like treat yourself like you're about to be or are already pregnant and I went from never having a chance thinking that I was never really going to ever be able to have my own babies um, safely to I might be pregnant in three months so we got everything together I Got off birth control that I had been on for nine years. And let me tell you, that is a hormonal roller coaster. <laughs> um, so we uh, scheduled our flights the next month. And four days after my 28th birthday, we flew all the way to Greece and started IVF drugs. And let me tell you, they are so much cheaper over there so much cheaper for a two week, uh, plan. I don't even know what to call it with, um, uh, my gonel and all the other good stuff. I paid $875, Wow, which is wild because I have, I don't have a lot of friends, but I've made a lot of friends in the IVF world online and through Facebook groups and stuff. And so many of them have sold cars, taken second jobs. And it just like breaks my heart that it's so expensive, but those drugs can be shipped to the U.S. legally. So please take advantage of that if you can. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm here for it. Um, so we went to Greece and they um, originally thought that we were going to stay there for the entire time um, while they uh, did an egg retrieval and prepped these eggs and then um, did a transfer. And at the end of the day, they thought that that was gonna be too much too fast and too high of a risk to try to do all of that in one fell swoop which turned out to be a good thing because three days after my egg um, retrieval and we got uh, 10 healthy eggs um, or quality eggs for um, transfer uh, the travel ban hit for COVID and we had to fly back um, we um, instantly um they put us on the next flight out as soon as um that hit which was wild i was very thankful because my egg retrieval was supposed to be the day that we got kicked out of europe and luckily my body was cooperating and it was done a few days early and we got that all squared away before the covid wave hit for the first time and everything went to lockdown that I'm very grateful for and um, that was such a whirlwind experience but of course that has turned my couple months waiting game into a year and a half waiting game um, which has turned me on my head I just want to be able to you know then of course being so far away communication is really just relatively non-existent. They have a lot going on. They were, of course, shut down for most of last year. And uh, um, I actually just received word like five weeks ago, maybe six, that um, the actual uh, replacement therapy that they are doing, that's what it's called, um, gene replacement therapy, um, is happening this month. So I haven't heard back from them I'm hoping it happened. I'm hoping it went well. And then the next steps would be in these next three-ish, four months, that all of these eggs that were used in that transfer therapy to create those healthy cells with the donor egg um, are being shipped off to all of their labs to make sure that that it worked, that they're still quality eggs and fingers crossed that it happens soon, but we'll see. They let me know slowly and surely as things um, unfold and progress that um, they let me know what's next for me and when we can go back out. And I do not yet know what that will look like, um, especially in a post, almost post-COVID world. So, We shall shall see. Wow, that was a tongue twister.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I almost forgot about COVID completely when we were talking about this and talking about the dates and I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that uh, must have been difficult for all of a sudden that to hit and then plans to just have to change immediately. Um, But one thing I do want to say is in the UK, this is actually legal, um, but Mm -hmm. only for as far as I read and the articles I read for patients that have mitochondrial disease. So they really, which is good that you obviously presented that the mitochondrial portion of this, because that is a big thing, um, that they're allowed to do and experiment. I say experiment. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing you were talking about too, is how they've been doing this for so long. And I didn't realize myself, but they have, um, specifically even just the mitochondrial transfer, which is what um, pretty much you're doing, they've been doing it since the eighties. So it's not something that's, that's brand new. Um, So it's unfortunate that we don't recognize this, you know, here in the U S because it's been, it's been something that's been going on for a really long time. Um, But the other thing that you pointed out too, that I thought was interesting that I read about was that One of the things is that they aren't sure if some of your mitochondria will be transferred over. But as we know with mitochondrial disease, and as we were talking about in the first episode, how you have 86% um, homoplasmy, um, it depends on your percentage. So in this situation, if only a few of your mitochondria do make it over, you know, hopefully that doesn't have an effect because a lot of people have mitochondria that are say not working, but it just Mm -hmm. depends on the percent that is in your actual cells that will create a mitochondrial disease. So um, yeah, it's this whole thing is just so interesting and um, it's unfortunate that we don't have it here.
2: Right. So my husband and I actually had an opportunity this last winter uh, to travel to Oregon in Portland um, uh, their school of science and meet the doctor who developed the technique that is being used in the Greece trials. And the reason why he is, um, loaned, I don't even know if that's the right word to say his technique to them is because he had tried so hard for so long. Um, but he started this in 2000 using, um, primate eggs and they just did a follow-up study that came out this year um, showing that the grandchildren of these primates are not showing um, any uptick in um, homoplasmy. And the other thing that he shared with me is um, uh, that it all, the, the other thing with the way Mito works is it can present really differently in your organs. So it can be in your blood at 80%. It could be in your liver at 92. It could be in your lungs at four. And that also changes the likelihood of it expressing itself as well as how it expresses itself. So I thought that was interesting to know, because as far as I had known up until this point, my whole body is just sits at 84%, but that's not actually the case. And there's really only a way to test that is to, you know, do an autopsy and really, dissect those organs and whatnot Um, but meeting him was an honor um, and seeing all of the work that he has put into not only seeing that this works the follow-up studies and the people that they've worked with they have been able to use eggs um, human eggs to test this as well Um, but unfortunately as part of um, our government's laws those eggs can never be transferred and never be utilized and are required to be destroyed on completion, which is, again, another tragedy. Um, But learning from him was really great because when we were explained the procedure um, by somebody whose second language was English, explaining medical procedures in a language that is not your own is so complicated. And while we knew what we were doing, we didn't really understand what was really happening um, through this process and the risks that come with it. And though it is a trial that is working, the um, sample pool is very small. Um, There are, I think, 10, maybe 12 women involved in this clinical trial. There are at least five babies that have been born very healthy. Um, I believe I'm the only American. And I also, to my understanding, am the only person in this trial with a mitochondrial disease. Um, The other women in this trial is more of a you know, unknown fertility, just an inability to get um, those eggs to stick as they should. So it's important to me that this becomes a reality, not just for myself, but for everyone that has experienced what I have to avoid experiencing what I have to change the future. And as um, you mentioned, Ashley, at the beginning, um, this designer baby thing is is such a trad. Like it's a terrible misrepresentation of what this tr- this technique truly is and truly involves. Because mitochondria is what keeps your body running. It's what it's a. As you learn in fifth grade, it's that powerhouse of the cell. It's the only thing that keeps your body moving and going. And and to to live, you need that mitochondria. And running on batteries that don't work for your system are no good to anybody. And this isn't about, I need a six foot blonde haired, um, green eyed, um, basketball star is not any, I just, I, I just need them to be alive and healthy and have the ability to grow old as they should, because no parent should watch their baby die. No parent should be forced to, suffer through something that has been proven to be avoidable. And I honestly, I say this it's not really true but my I my feel so passionately about it that I really don't care if it doesn't work for me. I need it to work far enough along that it becomes a reality and is offered to people all over the world whether they have to travel to get it or it can be available to them in their backyard. It it has to be a real thing because you don't pull somebody's eyes out because they don't work right. You give them glasses, and if the batteries don't run, you upgrade them. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. I mean, just imagine
0: the advancements in science and in health that we would have if they were able to do more studies just on mitochondria. Yes, it's mm-hmm. just crazy. and and Megan and I have talked about it before and. The 5K that we do, that we fundraise for, it doesn't just benefit mitochondria, or excuse me, mitochondrial diseases or mitochondrial dysfunction. It it affects everything that has to do with mitochondria. So that's autism, that's Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS. It's hundreds of different diseases and dysfunctions that if we could just make the mitochondria better, like feel better and and heal rather than die, then- Mm -hmm. Amazing what we could do. Absolutely. Um, now I know you mentioned the cost for like the drugs and everything for fertility. It's around eight to nine hundred dollars. What about everything else? Because you said in the Ukraine it's forty to eighty thousand dollars. So what is it going to look like for this one in Greece?
2: I am actually fortunate enough to be a part of this trial and have it not cost me anything so we we paid for our travel and our stay and our medications and um some of the outside tests like an ekg um blood tests i um we covered those but as far as the ivf and the transfer therapy itself are um not at any cost to me
0: that's amazing which is an
2: absolute godsend
0: yeah yeah
2: when i was looking into it um
0: i actually found a doctor in new york that is doing yeah who is doing um research and he is so they're doing the beginning part so they're doing everything that's possibly legal in the us and then at the point of where it becomes no longer legal that then they fly out to the ukraine to finish the process and so you can go all the way through getting the eggs extracted and then they take your eggs to Ukraine, doctor them up out there and then go through the process. So, um, it is, it's interesting how each, cause there's essentially those three, Ukraine, Greece, and England, and how different they work trying to, so that the U S whatever we're doing here are trying to work around to be able to use those techniques and, and put our own trials someday.
2: hmm I was told, I don't know any deeper information on this, but I will just share it because um, Dr. Sucre and his team shared this with me, not to trust Dr. Zhang as far as I could throw him (laughs) was just something that was mentioned to me. I I would trust them with my life, my family's life. Um, But because of his need to skirt around these, rules and the cost that yeah. he charges to make that happen is unfortunate. Yeah. However, everyone is free to make their own decisions. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and I can understand that. I mean, on both sides, you know, um, I right. can Oh, absolutely. I can't imagine what it's like to be a doctor who's on the edge of like this crazy, amazing groundbreaking. Yes, exactly. And not be allowed to finish that research, you know, not concluding right. anything, obviously, but, oh, you know, yeah, but yeah, definitely everyone that's listening, you have to make the, the what's the best decision for you and for your family. Um, so if this is something, if, if hearing this podcast, it sounds interesting to you, please go out and do your own research. I mean, we've, covered the basics we covered like different things that we've all experienced or things that we've read or have gone through definitely 100% do your own research uh, and you might discover something that none of us know um, and hopefully as the years go on like more and more is going to come up um, I, I mean it's something it's crazy to think that it's been since the 80s and, and imagine just how much like medically ad- advanced we are in that last 40 years you know it's it's crazy um so do your own research um see if it's something that's right for your family uh my husband and i we had decided not to do it for various reasons cost being one of the the top reasons (laughs) um but talking to different doctors too. So also talk to your own mito doctors, um, and see how they feel about it, about how it is for your own situation, because everybody's genetic, um, diagnosis is completely different. So what has worked for you might not work for, for another person, depending on what your, your, that gene is that's affected. Uh, unfortunately that's kind of the everything with mito, right? Every single person is mm-hmm. totally different
1: or if you even have a genetic diagnosis. Exactly That's Part exactly. of the journey too. too.
0: Yeah uh, And like for Andrew and I, even though our daughter had Lee syndrome, I'm still not diagnosed. Um, so there's also the chance of de novo. So it really just depends on, on your own genetic, diagnosis and what they find and if they can find it Um, but I hope everyone enjoy listening to this podcast we were talking about a three-person IVF and I'm so sorry for saying all the wrong terminology in the very beginning (laughs) (laughs) all the time and I still messed up (laughs) darn it (laughs) Um, but Stephanie thank you so much for joining us and telling us your story where you are in the process, and please keep in touch with us. We would love to be able to hear how the next
2: year plays out and and what your experience is like. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you guys.
1: Yes, thank you so much. We, like I said, we are amazed with you and the fact that, you know, what you we're ending with that. You know, if this doesn't even work out for you, you want it to work out for the future of other parents in this situation, and that is very selfless. So you are quite the amazing person. So thank you for joining us.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening in. This is the Mito Podcast. If you have any suggestions or comments, please email us at mito podcast at gmail. We are on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube, please give us a like and give us a follow.